We spend zero dollars on marketing. Zero. Except for the haircut. Except the haircuts. Except for you got a lot of $15 haircuts to meet people. That's why I'm keeping it short because I got to keep getting a cut. But no, I mean, I was just really my, as a joke, but it's really my idea to get out there. It's really not a joke that I've had six barbers. That's true. But I've gotten 10 deals from all the barbers. And the the reality is if you got 10 deals from the barbers, then that means you've got 100 deals you will do because of those barbers. So the question is this. How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchasegui. Hey, I'm excited about today's interview. I get to interview uh, one of the listeners, somebody that's been listening to us for a while here, Andrew Jacobs with the Jacobs team. Uh, he covers Jersey and Pennsylvania, right? Did I get that right? The, yes, um, and he's going to help fill in the blanks of so much else. He's with Berkshire Hathaway, top 1% of all Berkshire Hathaway, if I think I got that right. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andrew, how's it going? What'd I miss? Hey, you got it. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, pleasure to be here. Honored to... Uh, to be a part, actually, uh, you guys have had really good guests and good content, and I hope I hope to share some unique perspectives for the listeners today. That's my goal. Yeah, well, I'm honored to meet you too, man. The when did you become a real estate agent? Um, so my wife and I made the Jacobs team um, maybe seven, eight years ago. My family's been in real estate over thirty years, so I grew up knowing about it, being around it a lot. Um, my mother had a really good. She passed away, unfortunately, but she had a really good sphere of influence and. Uh, great relationships and a good approach to this business. And um, she instilled that in me. And now that's what we try to do as well. So, um, so yeah, good handle on it. I heard a episode you did maybe a week ago. The guy had started a, a year ago and already has a booming business. So that that's really amazing. My, my approach, it's multi-year, but uh, we'll talk about it. That's the, that's one of the things I love about our podcast because we have so many different versions, right? Everybody's story is different. There's stuff that's a similar, you know, the, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, he had a listing, Ernesto had a listing before he even became an agent. That's right. right. And, crazy, and then I've got yeah. people that I interview that it takes them, you know, that for nine months they door knock and make 30 calls a day. And nine months later they get their first cussed client, right? Mm-hmm. There's just, it's no, it's different for everybody. You know, it rhymes. We have similarities and there is stuff that everyone can learn from anybody. So the, so you grew up in real estate. So like, was it you turned 18 and decided to get your license to stay in the family business? Did you try to go do something else first and, and come back? What was the, yeah. like, when, did, how soon did you get licensed? Yeah, that's probably the fun part of the story. Um, you know, I always had the option to join real estate, but when I graduated high school, my band, I had a band and we got signed to uh, Roadrunner Records and um, made an album, toured uh, the country and Canada and different things. So I was a professional musician uh, for several years and went to pursue that dream. Um, that became pretty hard pretty quickly. You know, the band kind of fell apart and uh, the label dropped us and all that fun stuff. So I had to reevaluate at that point. Um, after that, I got a corporate job at Warner Music Group, which is in New York City. So I worked the back end of the music industry for a handful of years and I worked on a primarily a Spotify account. So I learned a lot there, you know, um, 
had to climb the ladder. I think I was promoted a few times in, in just four or five years. So um, how to meet the right people, how to do a good job, how to show people your value. Um, so that was a good experience. But finally, I wanted my own schedule. I wanted no salary. You know, I, I wanted to make what I'm worth. I wanted to make a difference. And so I started going through this checklist. I was, I was sitting on the train, long commute, wasn't really happy, took out a piece of paper. And I learned that technique from a, a book called uh, Awaken the Giant within Tony Robbins. Um, whatever people think of him, that book's amazing. And uh, he says, write it down, just dream. So I dreamed. Schedule, want that to be mine. Unlimited salary, make a difference in the world, do, do something important for people. You know, there were, there were just so many things that were leading back to real estate. I, I called my mother. I said, you know, I think you have all these things and I think I want to try that. So that's, that's how I just changed my life around. Was she excited? No, she said, she had always told me, I don't want you to do this. It's too stressful. <laughs> that's amazing. You're yeah. like, you're like, Hey, all right, I want to do what you're doing. She's like, no, you don't want right. to do what I'm doing. You're like, I, I and I guess that could have gone either way. I expected it to be so excited that like the son would finally join the family. No, she business. told everybody, she always told everybody she knew, don't be a realtor. It's too stressful. So I, I considered that for so many years, but finally my wife and I said, no, we're going to do this and we can do it in a way that's maybe lessens the stress. So the, were there any lessons you learned when you were a professional musician and you had a band and you were traveling, anything that you learned along the way there that you apply as an agent later? <laughs> Yeah, and they're not so similar, but um, but I mean, in in a sense, I I was the leader in some aspects of the band as far as the you know organization and putting it together, and so I, I learned at eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old to run a business basically, and it was entrepreneurial, so that's pretty similar to being in real estate. So I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit. The problem with building a music career is that's true entrepreneurship. There's no office. There's no, there's no structure. You have to completely make it up. And what I love about real estate, and I want to write a book someday called Real Estate is the Best Career in the World, because it's entrepreneurial, but there is a path. There's a structure. There's an office. You, you know, you work for a company. Um, there's, it's just not completely out, out there on your own. And, um, and I love that about it. I think you can be an entrepreneur, you get your own clients, but you know, there's mortgage, there's title. I, I don't know. There, there's just more of a structure to it. So I think it's the best career in the world. I think it's the best hybrid of a corporate job and an and entrepreneurship. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, like buying into a franchise business as you describe it like that, because it's like, you're an entrepreneur, but there's actually like a lot of coaching out there where mm -hmm. there's a lot of like, like you could pick up a blueprint. You could like kind of pick up a plan or you can like follow along. If you want to be a, a, a musician, a rock star, you can't really have a mentor that's going to get that skill set for you. Um, as you just, I was in a band in high school for a lot of years and, um, you know, and, and kind of right out of high school. And we would throw like these big concerts and things like that and go find venues. And as you said, my favorite part was actually the business part, actually like figuring out the venues and the ticket sales and what we could like, what we could do and like, and like advertising with the radio, all these different things, right. right? The, is what we, was the part that I was actually better at than actually just being like the backup guitar player. And so it is, it is funny. I should <laughs> right. have learned, you know, e even earlier that the, I mean, being in the band part was cool, but I mostly just liked 
hanging out with those guys. No, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. It's fun. Um, at some point though, um, my grandfather, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to stick it out in music and he came up to me one day and he said, you can do what you love, but you got to make some damn money. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah. That should be on a shirt for sure. The, uh, and that's the sort of thing that a grandfather is the one that, that tells you they're the ones that feel confident enough to go, I love you, but let me give you yeah. some advice that maybe well, somebody and, else and won't tell you. Luckily I found something that, um, that, you know, it, it can be a nice income, but you love it too. And that's, that's, that's really the thing. You have to What's get up every day like? and, and be excited to do it, you know? Yeah. What's your volume like right now? How many deals are you doing? What's the average price up there? And what's your whole team look like? Yeah, so I'm in Bucks County in Pennsylvania and Mercer County, New Jersey. So that's like Princeton, New Hope, if you've heard of these towns. And um, average price point, $450,000, um, 50-ish transactions per year, 55 maybe. Yeah. How many people on your team? So it's my wife and I, we kind of run it. And then we have two team members, um, Amanda and Melissa, um, full-time coordinator and an agent that's, that's helping us out. But that only happened in the last year or two. It was really just me and her building this thing. Yeah. So we wanted, we wanted to grow organically. And, and the idea of doing a team was really just when we had the volume and, and the means and, and we have that now. Yeah. So the husband and wife team was really like, you're a team, you're working together. Not a, it wasn't necessarily a team yet in the way that so many real estate agents talk about a team. And then the last year you started growing some agents. What's been the, one of the biggest things you learned with that or advice you would oh, give that, somebody when it's starting a team? Yeah, no, that's, that's difficult. Um, you know, I think I started alone and then Gina joined, which is my wife because, because it became too busy and then we organically have grown from there. But, um, it's difficult. I mean, you have the, the first mindset is how do I build this thing in the first place? I have to meet clients. I have to meet people. I hope to talk about some of that today. So you have to build yourself a, a business. Then once you have that, then if it's too much or you have a reason to build a team, you can find, you have to find a good personality, a good fit, someone who, who matches your style and you can train them. Um, but bringing on a team member, that's, that's where I'm at now. I'm still learning how to lead. Uh, you always just focus on your own business and now uh, adding team members. Um, I don't really have a ton of advice on that. I'm learning as I go, but I think that the, that where where you are, if you if you need to build a team, do it organically. Don't force somebody in there. You don't want to be responsible for someone's career if you don't have your own stuff together first. So you want to build that and make sure that you have a solid base. And then when you add your team member, I think you need to train them professionally, responsibly, tell them the right way to do this. Um, and I think finding the right personality, you really have to make sure you're picky and choosy. You don't just bring on anybody. And then when you do, I, I just think it's important that you have enough to share with them. You have business for them. You teach them how to build their own business. Um, and that they really just do it honorably. Um, I mean, if you bring somebody on to represent your brand, they, they have to, they have to be professional out there. And, and, you know, if somebody's running around with your name and, and not treating clients well, or all the horror stories you hear about realtors, that's, that's trouble. So I think, uh, building a team is a delicate process. And I worry that too many of these big teams, they're adding dozens and dozens of people too quickly. You know, it could hurt your name out there. You got to be careful. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Erdemuchastegui and I'm interrupting myself 
to bring you this commercial break from one of our sponsors. There's somebody I've been looking at for a long time. And when they reached out to me, I said, yes, we have to be able to do this deal. So that sponsor is Follow Up Boss. There's a lot of superstars out there that use Follow Up Boss. What's your favorite CRM? We're using Follow Up Boss. We use Follow Up Boss. So we use Follow Up Boss. I love Follow Up Boss. I love it. We have action plans now for bringing on new agents. We have action plans for our recruiting. Uh, we call them action plans and follow-up boss, which will trigger tasks for the agents to do as far as calling. Follow-up boss, I like more for the integrations with everything, MailChimp, call action, all those different products. I will say we used Sync and we switched from Sync to follow-up boss. Honestly, the greatest CRM I've ever used, I've used Rivity Sync. I've looked at Boomtown, like Real Geeks, just a bunch of different ones. But me personally, I fell in love with Fub about like seven months ago when I first started using it. I've used Boomtown. I've used Line Desk. I've used Conversion. And I think Follow Up also gives you the most integrations mm-hmm. that are simple. And it gives you the best ability to go and integrate large things into one single solitary platform. Yet at the same time, it's still affordable. I do like Follow Up Boss better just because it you can text from the app and things like that. It's just a little more convenient for me. Um, it tracks everything that I need. I can customize it if I want. If I want to go smart list based, that's fine. If I want to go task based, it's fine. I think it's one of the best systems and it's very user friendly. It just really helps me never drop a ball because it's so user friendly. I don't have a one horse in the race with Follow Up Boss. Purely objective. Follow-up boss has been the best one that we've found. Now I've used follow-up boss. We've actually used it in our non-real estate businesses as well because it's so good at being able to set timers, set automatic texting and emailing. So here's what we got. For Real Estate Rockstars listeners, get a 30-day free trial. That's normally 14 days. So in order to get this, you go followupboss.com, just like it sounds, forward slash rockstars. Go there, get your 30-day free trial and check it out, especially if you aren't using any systems or any CRMs yet. This will be a great one for you to start with. Thanks again. Now back to our show. I love that your start of that answer was like, it's hard. It's difficult because um, it is. The most common people to start you know, building a team, it's because they're having a lot of success and they, you know, but if there's one other and they're kind of almost turning away some business. So I think the first mindset is like, oh, we're having a lot of success, but I can't do all those sign calls right now. Or no, if somebody wants to do that, I remember when my wife was our listing agent, you know, for all of our flips and she would say, and someone would call and saying, well, Hey, I don't want that one, but can you go show me another one? And she was like, no, I can't. I, I have 30 listings. They're all my husband's listings. Like I can't, I'm not going to go do anything else. My job is to sell these. Right. And so the, so the first people that got brought on was like, well, maybe somebody else can do something with that sign call. And so usually people get busy enough. They want to start the team, but then like, I'm a really good entrepreneur and I'm not a great leader. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm actually learning this more recently, right? Like if I'm doing all the work myself, I'm really good at being an entrepreneur and going and hustling, but being a business owner and being a CEO, I don't have as much skill at as I have when I'm like grinding out and doing it myself. And I think that's a challenge a lot of people have. It is. It's and it's, current, and it's currently where I am. So yeah, I, I just uh, when when you're the guest on a podcast, you know, you, you expect to answer with confidence and everything. But I, I try to give truthful answers that I think people need to hear too. We're all the same. I mean, sometimes you listen to a podcast, you listen to the guest on there, someone famous or whatever, and you're like, man, they have it all together. No. Nobody has it all together. We're all figuring it out. And, um, and maybe 
I think more people should speak that way. So the truth is I'm learning how to be a leader and I'm not there yet. Um, and I don't know, I just think some humility would serve everybody well. So, um, but we, yeah. you know, I, I think that if you realize that you can do it just like anybody else, just be responsible. And, and that's what I'm trying to do. Just take it day by day. People love humility and honesty. When the, you know, when I have people like, you know, door knocking and trying to make offers and like buying, when we were buying directly from people like a year ago, I would just tell them like, be honest, like tell them it's your first deal. Like you mm -hmm. don't have to tell them like <laughs> that you've done it before. You can say, I've actually never, like, I think we can do something like this. I've actually never done something like that before, but the guy I work for has, and I think he's going to be able to help us. Like there people are way more inclined. Like there's some people that they only want to work with somebody that's done a hundred deals. There's other people that kind of value the opportunity to be your first or at the beginning or like knowing that like the biggest thing of when you're new and figuring it out as a team leader, you're like, Hey, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be great at building a team yet, but it's really important to me because I don't have a hundred people yet. I want to right, be sure right. I get it. It was a big topic at our mastermind last year too. There were a lot of people that were kind of in that team size of like five or six people or less. And that seemed to be that size where people like, should we, should we keep doing this or not? Or here's challenges or not. I mean, it'll, I'm sure it'll be a big, big topic and a breakout session at our mastermind out here in March this year, because it's a, it's interesting. You know, so as you were answering that, you said there's something that you want to talk about today. And I, and I think it was, I think it was just about the start of like building a business or building clients, right? As the, is when it, when it first starts, you're building your own business, the, you know, so what was that process like for you? And what have you learned about that? That's a great question. Um, and, and yeah, I did want to discuss that just because in, in talks I give or people I talk to, new realtors, that's the number one topic. How do I build this thing? So when my wife and I moved to this area, we didn't know anybody. I mean, we, we got a condo. We, we really started from scratch. We wanted a brand new life. We didn't have a dentist, a doctor, gas station, nothing, mechanics. So we, we were literally starting from scratch. And I interviewed with a couple of offices. Um, and I really had two paths. There was one office that said, okay, you can join our team. Uh, we have a team over here and you're going to get a low, low split of each deal, but we're going to feed you leads. So we, we buy all these leads and we're going to send you a bunch of stuff. You're going to come in four, four times a week, cold call, um, go try and make appointments. The success rates, maybe 3%, 2% of that list. Um, but you'll make it happen. And then we really get you going with volume. And that's how you're going to make a living. So that was that style. And then I met with the office I'm at now and the manager was completely the opposite. It was very old school, traditional, time tested. Listen, you're going to build a beautiful brand. You're going to go meet people in the community and you're going to build this relationship based referral business. And it sounded great all around. It sounded like that would make me feel like I'm giving value to real families that I'm um, you know, wanting to wake up every day and do that, that I can really build these friendships and, and everything. Um, so it sounded better than the quick, get a bunch of random online leads and try to build a business that way. The only downside was that it was going to take more time because I wasn't getting leads. I was going to be taught how to build this brand based on relationships and I'm new to town. So how the heck am I supposed to do that? That was the only concern. And, uh, and then skipping ahead, basically I went that route because I had that long-term view. I said, all right, if I can take the time and do this, and I'm aware not everybody can do that. I mean, people have kids 
I have a kid now, but I didn't at the time. Um, people have kids, people have life challenges, people have bills to pay. They don't all have that uh, luxury to take time and, and not make money. Luckily, Gina was working another job and we had a little bit of savings, so I could take that time. But believe me, I'm aware that's not a choice everybody can make. So we're fortunate for that. Um, but in, in any event, we, we did this slow build. So every day I came to the office, I would send out some mail. I'd try to make some calls. I would schedule myself to go out in the community and meet people in town. So a couple tips. Number one, I picked my lane. I said, I want to be a realtor in this town, period. Um, I feel that when realtors pick too wide of an area, you get lost and, and you lose focus. So I was very, very specific on where I wanted to build my name. And then I did a few things. Um, number one is, like I said, I came to the office every day. I would schedule myself in the community. So I got haircuts a lot and I would meet barbers. And <laughs> I've been to like six different barbers at this point. Um, and I would meet everybody in there and you just strike up conversations, get to know people. By the end of it, you know, they want to know about you. I'm a realtor in town. I'm actually building my name, you know, if you think of anybody, et cetera. So I did that. I went, got lunch. I, I would look up in town all the big players, who's the top mortgage people, who's the top realtors. And I asked them all to coffee. And these people are happy to do it. And we would have great conversations. And I'd really try to knock their socks off with my enthusiasm. So this took time, but that's how I kind of met people in the community. I also did open houses every weekend. And after a year, it took time, but after a year, this thing started rolling. And then what happens, and then I'll get back to the interview, but I just am really excited to say this part. Then what happens is what my office promised me would happen, is now we have a bunch of transactions that had happened, people that know our name from being out there every day, and now I have a past client list, a sphere of influence. And so when these referrals started coming in, hey, you can help my brother. Hey, you can help my mother. What a high quality transaction that's going to be. They already trust you. They heard you did a great job for their family member. So that's the route I took. And now we just did our numbers. We're 75% referral and warm business of people we know or people who know people we know. And it's it's a pleasure yeah do you do any outbound marketing Maybe. not really i i yeah. i think we spend what we spend on is gifts for everyone we know and and christmas stuff and closing gifts we spend zero dollars on marketing zero yeah, except for the haircut except the haircuts. for the, except for you got a lot of 15 dollars haircuts to meet people that's why i'm keeping it short because i got to keep getting the cut but no i mean i was just really my as a joke but it's really my idea to get out there it's really not a joke that i've had six barbers that's true but i've gotten 10 deals from all the barbers so well and the and the reality is if you got 10 deals from the barbers then that means you've got 100 deals you will do because of those barbers yeah right, right. because of the referrals that those 10 people will give you later and the referrals that those people yeah, will give you. That's Tell right. me about your first deal. First deal, uh, open houses every weekend, trying to meet people. Um, really try to, the, the right mindset's important. There's a book called The Go-Giver, which I'm sure a lot of the audience is familiar with. Um, and The Go-Giver talks about you know giving value, not getting, but anyone you meet, how can I give this person value? So I really worked on my mindset in those early open houses. And when people would come in, I would think to myself, all right, forget me for a second. Yeah, I want to get closings, et cetera, but forget me. I see this family come in. 
kids hanging off, you know, the mom and they're all, you know, not in the best mood. They've been to four open houses already. What do they want from this open house? First of all, they want me to leave them alone. So I'm going to do just that. I'm not going up with my card. Hey, nice to meet you. Blah, blah, blah. What a car salesy thing to do. I leave them alone, see the house. If they really need some value, I'll be able to tell. And, and later in that open house, they're walking around. You know, maybe I see an opening. Um, where are you guys coming from today? How long have you been looking, et cetera? And then the other piece to this is knowledge. So I would study that market right before the open house, make sure I knew every sale in there, every, any active property. A lot of time, the people don't like the house that they're seeing that day. But when you get in that conversation, very quickly, they say, well, yeah, this isn't really for us. Okay, well, what do you look for? Oh, you need a bigger basement. You know, there's an active house down the street. Have you seen that one? Oh, you haven't seen that? I'm happy to uh, show it to you after the open house. So, I mean, again, just trying to give people value and trying to know what you're talking about and, and help them out. And then the first deal really came from that. A seller walked into my open house and she said uh, she needs to sell her house. She doesn't know any realtors. So after the open house, I went to her place, saw it, listed it, found the buyer. So dual agency, the very first deal, the buyer had a house to sell. So that was three deals in a matter of a month. From an open house and the, isn't it amazing that someone can own a house and say they don't know any agents? Yeah, right. right? When you're like, how did you, how did you buy the house? Who was the agent <laughs> when you bought the house? Right. And the, and as an agent, that's the worst nightmare. If you're the buyer's agent on a house and then a few years later, you see they sell it with somebody else because then, you know, like that, ha I remember that happened to us once. And we actually knew that, and we knew the people pretty well. And we gave them a good, what felt like a good discount when we represented both sides at the beginning. <laughs> and when they had somebody else resell it later, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, like we must've really done something wrong. And most of the time it's like, you know, they just kind of forgot or they didn't think that you wanted to, or they thought that maybe you wouldn't want to do it. Like it's just so many sides to that when you see it later. I don't know any agents. I don't want uh I don't have an example of that, really. Um, I, I, we have such a good relationship with all our past clients. I have not really experienced them listing with somebody else at this point. Um, that said, I'm not in the business 20 years. I'm sure it's going to happen when people live there long enough. But Do you do a lot of follow-up? So somebody, if you represented somebody a few years ago, how often do they hear from you? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of our business. Um, Gina, my wife, really runs that show. Um, you know, We have hundreds of people we keep in touch with. So Christmas is always fun. We're working on our Christmas cards right now. We have our family on there. And, you know, it, the best advice I ever got was the, we always sit as realtors and try to overthink this thing or reinvent the wheel and make the best looking card or does the, is the wording right on my message? And the best advice I got one time is the best piece of mail is the mail that is already in the mail. So the point being like, it doesn't matter what the content is. If it's a text to somebody, if it's an email, if you're, if, if you're liking their Instagram posts, it just matters that they remember you, that you're in front of them. So we stay in touch with everybody, but we're not annoying. I mean, we don't follow up with people every week. No way. I mean, really we're, we're on Facebook and Instagram and we stay in touch with our sphere that way. We see all their updates. It's really just, it's not work. It's fun. I mean, this is our family and friends at this point, and we just stay in touch with them that way and like stuff. And then, yeah, we do a couple mailers a year, you know, a text and email, see how people are doing. That's not work. It's not really a system. It's just we have a great time with it. I mean, what's more fun than that?
Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Amuchastegui. Thank you for letting me interrupt for a second. I've got something really, really important to talk about. You know how last year we kept talking about that mastermind? What is the mastermind? What are we talking about with that mastermind? Last May, there was like 60 or 70 people of you listeners that had never met, flew out to Austin, Texas. We all hung out at this awesome event center and we spent a couple days with some great guest speakers talking about skills and strategies to succeed in real estate. And then we had these mastermind tables where everyone rotated, everyone got to meet everybody, everyone got to provide value. Some of the agents there had only done one or two deals ever. Some of the agents there had done hundreds of deals and they all got to interact and help each other build their business and build their strategies. And I've heard so many stories of friendships that came from that, of referrals that have come from that. There were six or seven people at that one that heard me talk about doing an Ironman and we all did an Ironman together in in North Carolina last month and we had never even met before the podcast live so the it was it's, it's been such such a cool experience the i would love it for you guys to come today's march 6 through 8 the sign ups right now go to hybendigital.com forward slash mastermind we also have a room block set up it's three days downtown austin great really cool hotel really cool uh, convention center that we're going to be hosting it and we're gonna get a chance to i can't wait to meet you guys i can't wait for you to meet other listeners i can't wait for you to develop these new interactions and really what we're teaching yeah last year was like how do you make a business better but the market was just starting to turn and i was trying to give some people some advice of what to do when it when it was happening now it has turned and this time we're gonna be talking so much about how to pivot and what to do next so uh, again i hope you signed up for the mastermind sorry for such the long advertisement but i can't wait to meet you ibendigital.com forward slash mastermind Yeah. Well, let's try to let's try to dissect one of those relationships a little bit because you're like, hey, everybody that we've worked with, they had a really good transaction with us, and they had, a, and then we have a really good relationship with them. How do you make sure they have a great transaction? What are some things that you do and some steps that you follow for that? Like, so how do you make sure that they have a great transaction and that you do have that great relationship? I mean, we heard part of that, right? So we mm-hmm. heard part of that as you know the follow up and the and it, the the gifts and stuff later afterward but but what do you guys do during the transaction from the time that they're a lead to the time that they're a, a trusted client oh i love that um well from the very beginning education is is key if i'm going on a listing appointment i have a stack and i did about an hour and a half 2 hours prior so um i think that's a service you have to give to that to that seller um, on the buy side, I just I need to know the market they're looking at. I need to know what I'm talking about. So uh, to help them get a good deal or make the right offer, et cetera. So right away, I feel like the clients feel that they're in good hands and feel that we care. And you know it's going to be a good transaction even with that, um, just from that start. Once we're under contract, et cetera, um, we have a coordinator who really keeps us in check. She puts the dates in everybody's phone. Um, and honestly, I think the best thing I can say is keep in touch. That's it. I mean, realtors are notorious for getting something on a contract and taking a vacation. We we stay in touch with everybody. You have to anticipate your client's needs before they have the need. So if they don't hear from you for a week, you can pretty much bet they're like, oh, man, what's happening in my transaction? I'm getting nervous. They're not going to not hear from me from a week, for a week. You know, I'll make sure every four days or three days, if nothing's happening, sometimes the deals get quiet. You just check in. How you, how you guys doing? You're getting ready for your move, et cetera. Everything's good on our ends. Here's the checklist again. You know, everything's looking good. Um, I don't think I need to get more detailed than that. As long as you're in touch with your client, I mean, that. I feel like that's the easiest thing to do, but most realtors or many realtors don't do that. And the client yeah. feels alone during a very intense and scary part of their life. Let's remember how important this is. 
Yeah, I think on the listing side too, in the, the, the market, in most markets, not all markets now, in most markets in the U.S., it's taking a lot longer to sell houses, right? And so if it's taking a lot longer to sell houses, then people start to get nervous mm -hmm. and they start to think, maybe I got the wrong agent or maybe my agent's too busy or maybe they're not working for me. And I think that that, um, that concept or that idea, if you're just, if you're proactive, if you're the first one to, to text or, or call them, so every few days you're reaching out to let them know, hey, how's it going? Wanted to let, you know, we haven't had, you know, we, we had a showing this week or we haven't had a showing or, you know, activity's slow, but in, in that neighborhood, nothing else has gone pending yet. So don't, don't worry. There isn't, so, no, so there's still Great 30 point. actives within, a, yeah. you know, being able to tell them, but like, but they're still active too. Being able but, what, to like what, what do, but what do most realtors do? They'll avoid that client. They don't want to talk to them. The yeah. house hasn't sold in a few months. They're like, hey, I hope they don't call me. And it's just the opposite. We should lean into these issues and make sure the client feels valued and tell people the brutal truth. I have a great quick example. Um, but a lot of people know me for this is I tell my sellers the truth. I say, listen, we're going to put your house up, let's say on a Wednesday. We'll start showings on Friday. I'll know in maybe two hours if we're overpriced on Wednesday. Because if we put up a listing and there's, there's low inventory, even though the market's more difficult, there's low inventory. So if there's an active buyer for you, you're going to hear about it quickly. If my phone's not ringing in a couple hours after getting this listing rolled out wide, we're overpriced or, or something's wrong or the pictures aren't translating or whatever. And um, that's oh, as realtors, we know that's the truth. We know that as we post a listing, if by the end of the day we don't have appointments booked and we don't have phone calls coming in and people aren't taking our communication, there's pro it's probably not going to sell with multiple offers on the first day. So I even had a listing recently. I told the client on that Wednesday night or maybe Thursday morning, listen, I was worried about the price from the beginning. And my phone hasn't rung once and there's no appointments for this weekend and we're a day out. I think we should do a price adjustment now. And they did. We sold with three offers that weekend. They did a price adjustment before the first showing. I think that's how you service your client. What's the other idea? We avoid the client and now we're up for a month, two months. You haven't served that client well because you were scared to tell them the truth. Yeah. Well, and it's the, it's this time where, some houses aren't going to sell in that 90 day period, first listing period right now. And at the end of that, you want them to believe that whatever challenges you're facing, everyone in the market is facing them and that you're doing everything you can. If they think that you aren't reaching out enough or, or they think there's stuff that you aren't doing, they aren't going to blame the market. They're going to blame you and they're going to replace you as an agent. So having that kind of good relationship with them. In well, time, I think even a, I mean, just a quick tip is if you're worried about the price, you're worried about how long the listing is going to sell, and maybe it's a rocky relationship or they're not fully in trust of you, don't take the listing. You know, I mean, yeah. that's not, I mean, why, why put your sign in the lawn and work, work so hard on a price you don't believe in, on a property that, you know, you're worried about? Um, and if the seller's already worried about you, I think that's just, recipe for disaster you had another question sorry i just wanted to no no that's that that's it's it's great advice i think it's a great comment that people should be talking about what 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 are the months of inventory like right now up up in your market like how uh, you know what's it, how fast or how selling you know do you know that the stats yeah less than one month inventory um 
So very, very low inventory. Um, houses take about 17, 18 days to sell um, on average. Our average days to sell is two, and I'm very proud of that. Even still, since the rates have gone up, I've not had a long listing. Again, it's I think it's proper valuation of the listings when you get there, giving a truthful price, not just going off the Zestimate or whatever the seller wants, but telling them the truth. And um, And as long as we do that and the client's good with it, We'll get it sold in a weekend around here. We usually can. That's great. That's great that you still have super low months of inventory uh, right now. And as I was talking to the last guest, that's that's totally. Um, there's so many. There's so many different markets, mm-hmm. right? So he's up in the Toronto market, and I said, "What are the? Um, is anything selling for list price up there right now?" And their average days on the market right now is 45 days, and nothing is selling for list price, no matter what. Wow. And in Austin, Texas, right now. Nothing is selling for list price no matter what. Even if you price it $50,000 below comps, everyone that offers is going to offer under asking because their belief is, well, that's the number that they want, and we're going to try to get it for less there than that. There you go. Wow. And I'm guessing, though, if, if you're under a month of inventory, you guys still get asking. And sometimes ask you still or, get ask or over. Yeah, we're in a commuter area. Um, you know, you have people that go to Philadelphia or New York City. So I, I feel like it's, it should always be popular. But again, not every listing sells that way. I mean, it is slowing down, but as long as we're honest with the clients and we price it accordingly, you know, we, we will have action. Um, so I just think that's the right way to do it is, is to really evaluate the home and, and put it up properly. Again, it's just about relationships with your client, being truthful with them. Um, another thing too is, like you said, all markets are different. I really don't think it's very productive when a lot of our realtor colleagues are talking about looking at the news or watching national stats and all this different stuff. I tell my clients, what does that have to do with anything, really? I mean, we're in a local market. I'll tell you what's happening in the market right here. And also, I even go more hyper-focused than that. And I think you tell the person that this is really about your house, if it's a seller, your house, or for the buyer, it's about the house we're finding for you. So every single house has its own market and its own evaluation. It kind of doesn't matter what's happening in the town or what's happening in the county and um, what the neighbors sold for, et cetera. We really need to look at that house. If it's totally different than the rest, then it's on its own. And and I really try to get very, very focused on the person's house and get them away from the news and all this different stuff. I don't think it's that relevant. Yeah. So, it's a great point. The what? So you've listened to the podcast for a long time. Any podcast episodes that you can remember that you heard on your real estate journey or something that somebody said that you went and applied in your business or you thought was, was something that, that kind of changed the way you, you did your real estate career? Yeah, there was, a, there was an investor type that you had on once. Um, it was probably years back, but I do remember he, he really went through the process of evaluating property. I'm not a real estate investor by any means, but I don't know if I can re- pull up the specifics, but he, he really just had such an organized process. Um, I'll have to send you which one that was. And uh, yeah. I, I loved it. I mean, it really just, I think actually he might've said the quote, something to do with airline pilots and doctors and whatnot. They all have checklists. And so those are the most important jobs in the world. Like you need the airline pilot, even if they think they know what they're doing, you want them to follow that checklist every time. You want the doctor to follow the checklist for the surgery every time. So why don't we take notes from them and 
we'll have our checklist too. And even if we think we know what we're doing, we'll follow it every single time. And so that's why I really have confidence in my team and our business because, and the way we can serve clients because I, we just don't miss anything. And I don't think that's rocket science. I don't think that's hard to figure out. You just put a checklist. It was great advice that I got. You put a checklist down. How could you mess that up? How can you mess that up if it's written down right in front of you? I just, I, I don't know why realtors make this so difficult. And uh, I, I'm hoping to, that the listeners can take a lot from this. I, I really think we overthink things. We avoid our clients. We don't tell people the truth. We look for a tactic. Oh, uh, I have a script and I'll say it this way. And now why don't we just speak to people like they're human beings? I think you'll be fine. Yeah. I think that kind of goes back to one of the things you said at, at the very beginning you know, about, about being an agent and just like you know, being able to just going through the motions and that it's, you could be an entrepreneur, but there's like a path ahead for you where it's not like, oh, I need to go start a brand new business that no one's invented, right? It's like this, we can be an entrepreneur, but the path has already been invented. So we can go, you know, we can, we can, there's five or six different paths. Maybe there's nine or 10 different paths as an agent that you can go down on what type of business you want to build, but nobody is inventing the wheel from scratch, mm -hmm. right? And so the, that is something that's, that's unique about yep. this. You know, what are, anything else that you think, you know, as we're coming to the end of our interview, you know, anything else that you really think that anybody in real estate needs to know or something that like you were surprised to learn after that, that even though you had been around the business for a long time, that now that you've been an agent yourself for a while that you wish you would have known earlier on? That's yeah, a great question. Um, I mean, I'm coming to this simplicity part of my career. I, I really want to keep things simple for myself, my team and the clients. I just think that if you YouTube how to be a realtor or Google it or you talk to you talk to 10 different realtors, 10 different answers, there's just too much content out there. There's too many takes. There's too many ways that people can, can do this. And if you get into real estate, you could do foreclosures. You can do all types of stuff, uh, short sales, um, residential, commercial. It's just too much. I think that the best thing we can do, and, and I'm learning this, it, this keeps smacking me in the face every year. It's just keep it simple, keep it straightforward. Um, and I think that can be done. Um, there's a, there's a market investor. He, he wrote this book. I forget Rick Ferry though, but he has this really good analogy with his investing career. So it starts with, um, darkness. So darkness being, you know, I don't know what I'm, looking for, I don't know how to do this, you know, and, and as a new realtor, we all know that feeling. You're just totally overwhelmed. Um, and then the second stage is you get to enlightenment where you're like, I finally get how to do a transaction. I finally get how to speak to a client. So that's a great day. And then what happens is stage three, when we get to this complication, so now we understand it. We see how it works. In his case, he's investing. So he, he understood how to make money. And then you go into the weeds and you're like, all right, I'm going to learn every little thing I possibly can. And, and you really just overcomplicate th things for yourself. And then it becomes not fun. It becomes a chore. Um, you're stressed out. Your clients don't know what you're saying. Your team doesn't know what you're saying. And everybody is just running around with their hair on fire. So where I'm trying to be, and hopefully I'm close, is stage four which is simplicity. And you, you finally, I think really in our society, the oldest group is probably the ones that, that they probably get there with all their years of experience. 
Um, you just need to get over the complication, rise above the clouds, and just see where what's my goal, what's the task at hand. Okay, we have to make an offer, inspections, appraisal, closing, and you just go step by step and you have your checklist. That's how you do it. And I think that we all try to get too crazy and we, we come up with the, the greatest idea of the week and we pursue that. Um, I really think it's just about talking to your clients and then hearing their need and then uh, fulfilling their need. Like, okay, I, ha I have some agenda maybe, or I have uh, some way that I want to help this client. Why don't I just ask them, what do you want? What kind of house do you want? Okay, you want that kind of house? Good, I'm going to go work on finding you that type of house. What's the difference? From, you know, why, why am I going to make that more complicated? Yeah. Yeah. Don't complicate it. It's figuring out what, what problem do they want solved? Because most of, most of the time they know what problem they want solved. They don't know how to solve it. They don't know what, you know, as That's you're it. going through the different interests. Well, Andrew, the, this has been fun, man. It's been an honor yeah. to meet you. I'm glad that I got to, uh, to wait till I was back on the show uh, to get to chat with you. As you know, my favorite interviews are getting to talk to people um, that have heard a bunch of interviews that have been listeners of the podcast too. And I appreciate that you've been a listener for so long. If someone wants to reach out to you and they want to, they want to send referrals your way, they want to ask you more about one of the processes you're doing or ask you for a copy of your checklist. What's the best way they can find you? I think that's great. Yeah. You shoot me an email, Andrew Jacobs, realtor at gmail.com. Um, that's it. I don't have a book. I don't have a service. I don't have coaching. I literally am just loving the business and I'm happy to talk to anybody about helping them. Um, build it and sustain it. Um, it's been fun. And yeah, I think, I think the podcast gives a lot of value to people and, you know, you just have it on the background maybe and just pick up snippets. I mean, that's, that's the point of a podcast. And I think as long as our antennas are up for real estate all the time, um, you know, we can do great things. The, the one book I would plug actually that I think everyone needs to read if they're a realtor, uh, residential realtor is called sell with soul. And it's by, um, it's by a woman named Jennifer. She was an agent in Denver. Um, and she wrote this book, Sell with Soul. And it's the first real estate book I read, actually. And I'm lucky I did because um, she talks about the relationships. And I don't know. It just seems very pie in the sky. And I hope the listeners don't think, all right, great. You just build relationships. It's that easy. But, um, it, you know, it is hard. It does take time. But once you have it, the quality of the business is amazing. Yeah. No, the, I mean, the way you describe your business is it was, it, it's difficult and takes a long time to build it up. But then once you build it up, it's like buying a whole bunch of rentals. You buy a rental and you refinance and you're going to make a hundred bucks a month. And that's like, well, that's kind of, that's kind of a lot of work for a hundred bucks a month. <laughs> right. You do it again. You're like, bucks a month. And then you have a hundred rentals and you go, okay, now it's worth it. That took that's me right. this many years to build that up, but now <laughs> I've got it. Now I think your referral business is a lot like that. You build it up, you build it up. And now, you know, you get to spend most of your time on, you know, appreciating past clients with gifts instead. Well, this has been great, Andrew. Thanks so much for coming on the show. All right. Thank you, Aaron. And real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. All right. Real estate rock stars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. 
So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents, and we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients, and we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate. How to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com. And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. If you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there, too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.